pastor friend of mine told me that um, when the movie Monsters, Inc. came out, if you remember that movie, that she watched it and she was terrified every night that there was a monster hiding in her closet. So she asked her 10-year-old brother if he would check her closet before she went to sleep. And so he would go in and open the door, no monster, and tell her that. And he was pretty excited about that, thought that was a neat thing that she trusted him. But it went on night after night after night until finally he was getting very tired of it. So one night she asked if he would check her closet, and he opened up the closet door and slammed it shut and turned to her with wide eyes and said, there is a monster in there. I'm glad I don't have to sleep in this room and ran out the door. Parents told me that he met a monster a little later in his own life because of that decision. But the fact is that somehow in 2020, it seems like there's a monster in our closet. COVID-19, the economy, the election, racial tensions, random violence, and, and then maybe some of your own personal future fears, health and relationships, educating your own children at home. There are monsters out there, and it seems like 2020 is the year of fear. Now, there are lots of people, I think, who are letting fear of the future dominate the peace of their present. And I know, because I struggle with that too. But even though we know that Jesus says in John 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give you as the world gives, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Even though we know these words, still, we live in really troubling times. Friends, now, no one us, not one of us knows or controls the future, but we know the one who does control the future. So to give you some reinsurance today, some needed confidence in our future to help us remember that God has got this and we don't need to be afraid, I want to impact a very familiar psalm to you, especially the very last verse. It's an amazing psalm. And when we understand this psalm, then we who believe and follow Christ really have two options when facing our future, fear or faith. Two options as we face our future, fear or faith. Now listen to this very famous psalm called the Shepherd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look at that very last verse, verse 6. The psalmist says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you hear any hint of fear? Any fears of what's going to happen in his future? David's not concerned about his future. He's confident in his future. He's not afraid of the future because he knows that God is faithful in his future. And because of that, he can trust him. So if you are a follower of Christ, if the Lord is your shepherd, then there are three reasons we don't need to fear the future. The first is this, 
because God is watching over me. I don't need to fear the future because God is watching over me. That verse in that psalm, David says, surely. The word surely is the word ach in the Hebrew. Ach in the Hebrew. What it really is is a participle of affirmation. In essence, he's saying all of God's goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Because God is so good to us, He'll cover us with our protection and His provision. No matter what happens, God has us in His hands. He will bring good, even out of evil, somehow. It may be for our own good. It may be for the good of others. It may be for the good of His kingdom. But God will bring goodness out of it somehow. The psalmist says in 145, verse 20, The Lord watches over all who love him. Now I want you to notice that David says, Surely goodness, that is taking the bad and making it good, Surely goodness will follow me. What does he mean by follow me? Obviously not everything went well for David in his life. He had good things, but he had a lot of bad things that happened. A lot of terrible things that happened to him. Now, David doesn't say that only good things will happen, but that only good things will follow. They will follow. So what's the promise here? The promise, friends, is that God will take life's lemons and will make lemonade. It sounds like a trite statement, but God to make sweetness come out of the bitter. Paul says in Romans 8.28, we know that all things happen to us. We know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plans. Now, I don't know how he'll do this. That's way above my pay grade. But I do know and have the assurance that what he does in my past has taken bad and making it good. And I know by faith that he will do so in the future. And I did notice that this promise isn't for everybody. This promise is only for those who the Lord is their shepherd, only for those who are part of God's kingdom and striving to be in His word and His work. And if you are making the Lord your shepherd, then there is no difficulty, no dilemma, no defeat, no disaster, no discouragement, and not a desperate moment that God cannot take and produce something glorious out of. Not that all things are good, not all things are good, but God can follow behind them and produce good things from all things that happen. Think of Moses and the children of Israel. They get to the edge of the Red Sea, the ocean's in front of them, and Pharaoh's army is behind them, and God opens up the way for them to go through. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were uh, told not to pray to the idol, and, and uh, they refused to do so, or told to pray, and they refused to do so, and were thrown into the fiery furnace, and God showed up in that furnace to save them. Think of Jesus, who underwent the torture, and the beating, and the cross, and death, but three days later, rose from the dead. God's in the business of taking even bad things and making good things out of them. Now, sometimes in the middle of the problem, that's where you are right now, it's tough. It's hard for us to see. But don't give up. Don't give in. Don't stop now. Because if you'll continue on, you'll find the gold that God promises. 
In Psalm 121, verse 3, the psalmist says, God will never let me stumble, slip, or fall, for he always is watching and never sleeping. So if you're at home today or with a group of people or in our room today, turn to somebody and say, God is in the lemonade business. God is in the lemonade business. See, I don't need to fear the future because God is watching over me. And second of all, because God's grace or because grace is working in me. Because grace is working in me. Let me remind you of verse 6 again of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now the word love in the Hebrew is the word chesed. They have a sound that we don't make in English, a sound. And it's not just clearing your throat. And the word chesed is a rich meaning word. It's translated sometimes as loving kindness, or sometimes as mercy, or sometimes as grace. Chesed is the essential quality of God. It's all that God is and all that God offers to us. The psalmist says in Psalm 86 verse 15, But you, O Lord, are merciful and gracious God, slow to get angry, full of unfailing love, and truth. And Hesed, this love, is what God offers us. God is giving us what we need, not what we deserve. Aren't you glad that David didn't write, surely goodness and justice will follow me all? I don't need justice. I'm guilty. I know that. What I need is mercy and grace and God's unconditional love. And this has said, this unfailing, abiding love from God is what sustains us in our turbulent times. Once again, remember, though, that our hope, our comfort, comes when we have more faith in God's loving grace for us than we have fear in what God is throwing or what the world is throwing at us. Let me say that again. Our hope, our comfort comes when we have more faith in God's loving grace for us than we have fear at what life is throwing at us. The psalmist says in Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5 and 8 through 12, I will bless the Lord and not forget the glorious things that he does for me. He forgives all of my sins. He heals me. He ransoms me from hell. He surrounds me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. He's merciful and tender toward those who don't deserve it. He's slow to get angry and full of kindness and love. He never bears a grudge nor remains angry forever. He, he has not punished us as we deserve for all of our sins. For his mercy towards those who fear and honor him are as great as the heights of heaven above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's what we have in our lives. Pastor Steve and Jill will remember that in our first church where we met and worked together at Pleasant Hill, California, on the entryway of the old building before it was remodeled, we had a retaining wall that separated a garden from the main walkway. It was about three and a half feet tall, and the kids loved to play in the garden, and they loved to walk along that retaining wall. And one Sunday morning, I was standing out talking with some people, and uh, about four or five feet from the wall, and I noticed that my three-year-old daughter, Ashley, was walking along the top of that wall, and rather irreverently, just kind of making a joke, I said, hey, Ashley, jump to me. And to my utter shock, she leapt off that retaining wall just flying through there. I had to hustle to get over and catch her and rescue her. And my first thought was, what were you doing? And then I realized I'd 
ask her to trust me. And she did. Listen, folks, the more powerful the protector, the more security I feel. And when God says, trust me, and you look at his track record, you see that he is trustworthy. If God loves me so much that he pays for my past and ministers mercy and gives me grace and lavishes on me his loving kindness, I can trust him to take care of my future. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, verses 38 and 39, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, listen, I don't, we don't need to fear the future because God is watching over us and because grace is working in us. And thirdly, because heaven is waiting for us. Heaven's waiting for me. Really, kind of the crescendo of this psalm reaches us in verse 26, or verse 6, Psalm 23, verse 6. He says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word dwell is the word yeshab in the Hebrew. It means to make full residence in. It means to fully move in. Everything you've got. I will move in to heaven the house of the Lord, forever and ever. I want to remind you, my friends, I don't have to fear in my future in the here and now because surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I don't need to have fear in my future in the hereafter because then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, listen, the best is yet to come. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, We know that our body, the tent we live in here on earth, will be destroyed. But when that happens, God will have a house for us. It will not be a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven that will last forever. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 8, he says, Now we look forward with confidence to our heavenly bodies. We're not uh, afraid, but quite content to die. For then we will be at home with the Lord. Now, I don't want to scare you today, but the death rate for life is 100%. 100%. Someday we're all going to die. That's a fact. We may not get to choose the date or the time or even the method, but it is inevitable. It is inevitable. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the scripture says, just as a man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment. So only a fool, only a fool would face a certain future unprepared. So to try to calm your fears today, I want to share with you some quick facts about heaven. So what will heaven be like? Well, the Bible says we'll eat and drink in heaven. That's good news. And even better news is you'll be able to eat and drink in heaven and never gain a pound. Isn't it? Kind of get an amen to that. Never gain a pound. Jesus said, I'll eat and drink with you in my new kingdom. We'll have great accommodations in heaven. Imagine the perfect place, the place that was absolutely glorious. You don't need HGTV to come in and remake it because it's made perfect forever. 
We'll uh, celebrate a perfect new creation in heaven. Imagine the most beautiful mountain scene or beach scene or the most beautiful comforting spa that you could be at or the greatest golf course that you've ever played. The beauty of creation, complete and perfect, that's what's awaiting for us. There'll be no more death or sadness or crying or pain in heaven. All of the hurts of this world will be taken away forever. And we'll know one another in heaven. The Bible says that we'll meet each other in the sky as, we, as the Lord comes back. You're going to know each other. And we'll have a wonderfully rewarding things to do in heaven. I'm not sure what it will be, but I honestly believe that it says when we serve him, that we'll be able to do all the things that we like to do now, only we do them perfectly and find greatest fulfillment and reward in those things that we do. So who is heaven made for? Well, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4-6, through 6, God has reserved for His children the priceless gift of eternal life. It's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond reach and change and decay. And God, in His mighty power, will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you are trusting in Him. It's made for His children who trust Him, whose Lord is their shepherd. And how long does heaven last? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they will produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. Say it with me, forever. So you're sure you're going to heaven? The Bible tells us that we need to, I say, get on base with God. Base is the acrostic. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Admit that you have sin in your life that separated you from God. Surrender your heart, your soul, your mind and strength to Him. And then express that faith in Christian baptism. And if you need help taking that step, you contact Impact Church. They'll lovingly share with you how you can be sure to go to heaven. David concludes this beautiful psalm with verse 6. He says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Many of you know the story of our son Jeremy, who was born with a genetic disorder called hemophilia, which meant that his blood did not clot. And the only treatment was intravenous treatment of human clotting factor. And as a result of that, he was infected by, of HIV through blood transfusion. Blood transfusion. By the time he was age 10, it had developed into full-blown AIDS. And he died of AIDS when he was 15 years of age. Jeremy loved the Lord to God with all of his heart and trusted him with all of his heart. And he lived by faith, not by fear, all of his life. And as he went through that torturous time, we witnessed God's overwhelming protection and provision in his life. How he could get through those tumultuous times, I don't know, but God helped him get through. In fact, one time when it seemed like he was at his weakest point, he looked at his mother and said, Mom, I don't know how anybody who doesn't know Jesus could get through this. But God was there for him, protecting and providing for him. We witnessed God's unconditional grace in his life. Because wherever he was, he would share the fact that he was living for God and that he wanted other people to know how to avoid what he had and to turn their heart and find their hope in God and offered cons uh, consolation for those who are struggling. And we witnessed God's promise of heaven in his life. Just a few days before he passed away, I carried him to his bed 
I asked him how he was doing because I saw his eyes were open. He'd been drifting in and out of coma. He looked at me with a clear blue eye I hadn't seen for a while and with a voice that was stronger that I hadn't seen for a while. And he said, I'm not afraid, Dad. And those were the last words he ever spoke. My friends, I got to see the Lord being the shepherd of our son, protecting him, giving him unconditional grace, and helping him welcome his promise into heaven. If the Lord is our shepherd, we don't need to be afraid. We can be relieved of future fear. For surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life. And then we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is the Lord your shepherd? If not, why not make him that? I know my decision. What will you decide?